What's up, everyone? You are listening to the 64th edition of our World of Lifting podcast brought to you by Anchor. If you hadn't heard about Anchor, it is the best podcast app on the market out there today. Edit all of our audio and we distribute it all over to Spotify, Apple Podcast, and all over those mainstream platforms. And the team behind the podcast, me, your host, Alan, and our behind the scenes man, Damian Janak. Hopefully everyone is having a great start to their 2021. This is only our second episode of the new year. Hopefully everyone is getting started with their new year's resolutions, their goals, and their, their, what they hope to achieve. Our special guest here today with us is Erica Marigliano. She currently has a CSCS, which is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. And she's gotten her bachelor's of exercise science in 2019 from Sacred Heart University. She is currently still at Sacred Heart University and she's a student of physical therapy and aspirations of becoming a doctor of physical therapy. Erica, I'm glad you agreed to join us on the show today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you listened to that god awful introduction. But <laughs> so for, for people who don't know who you are, why don't you give yourself, like, introduce yourself and you know, how you got into the fitness industry and how you chose your field of study? So I always played sports growing up as a kid. I played soccer, basketball, and I went to dance class. And then in high school, I was a three-sport athlete. I switched from soccer to volleyball. So I did volleyball, basketball, and then I ran track and field. And I actually got injured freshman year playing soccer before I switched to volleyball and I went to physical therapy for my ankle for the first time for myself. So that's when I learned what physical therapy was and started considering it as a possibility of what I wanted to do when I was older. Okay. What about it interested you? Was it like the rehab process, being able to come back from injuries? What, what was it about it? So I think it was more that I was able to relate to the patients because I went through it myself and how I was able, how you're able to work with so many different types of people in physical therapy. You can work with athletes if you like, or you could work with sick patients in the hospital if you want to. Also, there's like a whole span. So in your field of physical therapy, is it just like orthopedics? Is it, what kind of branch is it? So to get a doctorate of physical therapy, you actually have to learn all the different types of physical therapy. Um, there's more detail in orthopedics, neurology, and acute care, which acute care is hospital care. And then there's like other subtopics that we don't go into big detail on, but you could specialize in those if you want. Interesting. So it was an injury that sparked your interest in physical therapy. What happened to you during that time with your ankle? So I would, it was actually in tryouts, which stunk because I really? was out the whole, wow. yeah, I was out the whole season, but I sprained my ankle pretty bad. I had a bad grade two. Me and my best friend were kicking the ball at the same time at opposite ends. And my ankle just went underneath the ball oh. and yeah. I was out for like two and a half months because I was limping for so long. So you had to do the whole deal, MRI, all types of, you know, so, rehabs and all yeah. that? Basically, I went to an orthopedic doctor and then it wasn't getting better and he referred me to physical therapy. Okay. Interestingly enough, the last person we had on the podcast that was a physical therapist, uh, Dr. John Pritchard, so a shout out to him. I forgot why he wanted to be a physical therapist, but the one before that, she's also a student of physical therapy. Uh, Melanie Sands, shout out to her. I don't, I forget where she's studying, but she told me that she studied physical therapy because her mother was in, I think her parents were in great pain and she wanted to study that so she could further help, help them, you know, relieve their pain. But it's interesting that has someone else, you know, you know, everyone has different goals, different avenues of how they got into the to the field of study i'm personally not a f physical therapy uh major not a graduate student but yeah the the injury so the injury just brought you into the field 
And yeah, that's when I learned what it was because I didn't really know what it was before that. Okay. So what what does it take to become a PT for school? What like I heard like it's brutal. Like you're taking tests, you're studying, like what 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 entails in there? So when we're in the actual semesters, it's pretty rough. We have class like I would say six to eight hours a day, um, Monday to Friday. My first year I had class till like 7.30 on Fridays and at night, it was crazy. And um, depends on the professors, but some have exams like every two weeks. So you only get a week off from studying or um, some have exams every month. So you, you just like, spread out how much you study, but you're basically studying every night, except you, maybe you give yourself like a five day break after an exam and then that's, and that's it. You go right back to studying. Oh, the typical, like, uh, all nighters, coffee breaks and just being able to survive, right? <laughs> yes. Not all nighters, but maybe going to bed at one and then having an exam at eight and waking oh. up at six to study again. That's brutal. Absolutely brutal. Yep. I can't even imagine, but so you're currently, uh, so graduate program, are you in your second year of the program? Yes, I'm in my second year. Okay, so picture yourself like maybe like 10 years from now, like your goals, is it, you know, open your own practice? What is it? Yeah, that's a long time, long-term goal. I, I really want to be in a gym as well, or like a, a training facility to train healthy athletes with my CSCS and then maybe have like a physical therapy clinic in the back to work with everyone that wants to, uh, outpatient orthopedic physical therapy is my. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Cause the, when I tore my shoulder and I did surgery and went through physical therapy, it was important for me to get a physical therapist that understood my sport. She didn't really understand it, but like she did a good job. I'm not gonna bash her for it, but I remember um, her teaching someone how to squat. And let me tell you, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. Coming, like being a competitive powerlifter, I have a I have good understanding of how a squat works. And just looking at her teach this young, young soccer athlete, I think he recently tore his meniscus. Um, just watching him, watching her teach the squat was like, it was horrific. It was, mm -hmm. so do you, do you have any like pet peeves about the physical therapy world? Like something that bugs you that they're doing wrong or something like that? Um, I guess it's more of like the older physical therapists or like just physical therapists that haven't been in school in a while. I feel like not to like criticize anyone or anyone specifically, but I feel like they're not as aggressive as they can be with patients. Like they're more conservative oh, and like, okay. like they don't push even like the older adults, like we should really push them to high intensities because that's what gets them better. But I feel like older physical therapists kind of lean off from doing that because they're they're nervous or more conservative and it's just i we learned that you're supposed to do high intensity as much as the person can handle interesting so when when you look at the the array of injuries that that happen and the severity of them do you do you take that into account i feel like that's a part of the reason because i feel like coming out of like maybe aco reconstruction maybe that's maybe a reason why to stay a little bit conservative but i agree with you you know you can't you have to not obviously like throw them under like a barbell squat 500 again, no. like right away. But I, yeah, I agree with you. You have to, you know, bring them back to some sort of normal activity, you know? Yeah. I would say for the older adults, it's more based on their current health. So like if they have any co comorbidities or like if they have um, certain meds that have side effects, just to watch out for that. Cause we don't want to have an older person on a treadmill without a harness. If they have, if they're on a med that makes them dizzy or faint uh, or things like that, like just to be careful. I I noticed that. Okay. So talking with Don, John Patricia, he's very ad, big advocate of 
uh, strength training, especially in older adults, uh, you know, with all the benefits, you know, bone mineral density, you know, just being able to get off of the toilet, you know, they don't have to grab, grab something to, to pull himself up. Mm-hmm. What is your opinion on strength training for older adults or any, any sort of demographic for rehabbing injuries? So I would say if an adult like has never lifted weights before to just start them off with like body weight loading, because that still has its benefits, like body weight squats, um, push-ups against the wall, um, just because you don't want to have them start lifting weights if they never have before. But as long as they don't currently have osteoporosis, it's not um, contraindicated for anybody. You could, you could have an older person weight lift. Just loading the spine is a little dangerous for older people. So like doing squats with a normal barbell, maybe using like machines that mimic squatting or um, body weight. Don't you think it would revert uh, like reverse osteoporosis to a certain extent, even if they already have it and they start strength training? Do you think, I feel like John Patricia talked about that. I don't know. What's your opinion on that? Yes, there are there are benefits for patients with osteoporosis to weight lift. I think it's just, I think you need the doctor's like opinion of how hard to push them because it depends how much bone mineral density they lost. Because if they have a lot loss in their femur and you start having them squat with weight or anything, you don't want to give that patient any fractures. So. Hmm. Interesting. Cause the, the biggest problem, I'm pretty sure you've experienced this as well. Just going to a regular doctor's office and telling them that they lift, it's probably like the worst thing. That's like the last thing they want to hear. Like, oh, you lift weights? Uh, that's not a good idea. You're going to like, what, like, like destroy your back. And the problem I have with a lot of physical therapists that try to relate to my sport is that they really can't relate to it because they've never been in it. So they'll immediately say, don't do it. And I don't know. It, I have a weird dynamic with it. Cause like, if they tell me not to lift, I'm going to probably do the opposite, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That no, is... always lift. <laughs> okay. Always yeah. She lift. said that. So I, I think that we should really learn about power lifting and high intensity lifting in physical therapy school. I, I hope I have an orthopedic semester coming up in starts in two weeks. So I'm hoping that maybe we go into more details about high intensity weightlifting and stuff like that. But we should learn learn about that because it's more beneficial than not. If you're mm-hmm. doing the correct form and you're not loading the same muscle every day of the week, like you're, you're switching muscle groups, it's healthy and there's more benefits than negative effects of weightlifting. I heard since you are going for a doctor of physical therapy, you, you tend to try to get everything like all the general studies of every body part i think it's kind of hard to specify like get into specifics with each and every sport because they, they yeah no my, my my physical therapist at least she was treating like people of all sorts like she treated me i was a highly competitive powerlifter, and then she treated like the you know the old lady that was like a f- former tennis star that has you know extreme hip pain now yeah but i don't know it's at least from what i heard they don't go too deeply into weight training or strength training i wouldn't say in school now i'd say you learn more about the sport specifics when you're in clinical mm-hmm. so like your actual physical experience with a patient that plays that sport is when you're clinical instructor will help you go into the details of that sport and what muscles are used and what injuries they're prone for stuff like that so you've already gone through some clinical uh i don't even know is it clinical studies is it clinical rotations rotations yeah so that's like doing a shift that like uh i don't even know is it a shift like you're you're just studying with a physical therapist and shadowing them yeah it's I'm their student for a period of time. So my school does an eight week rotation and then three 10 week rotations. And they're all 40 hours a week. You go in the time 
that your clinical instructor goes in, you work their whole shift with them. They'll assign you like half their patients and then hopefully towards your last clinical, you're treating like 75% of their patients yourself. Interesting. That's okay. So how, how does that work? So what, let's say like a new patient walks in and they say, I, I recently, you know, tore my hamstring, you know, let's say from, from the hundred meter sprint, I tore my hamstring because I, I don't know, I pushed too hard on the hundred meter sprint. So coming from that, how do you like address their, like, what kind of questions do you ask the patient to start their rehab process? Yeah. So we usually start with an interview always. Okay. So we'll say like, we usually have the medical information in front of us, like how old the patient is. Um, if they're on any meds, they'll fill that out before in the waiting room. And then it's very important to get pain levels for insurance. So how bad is your pain at its worst from zero to 10, 10 being the worst. And then you'll ask how, if it ever gets down to a zero or where it is at its best. And then you'll just base, um, I would say like the mechanism of injury is the most important to ask about. So what were you doing? The hundred meter sprint where did you, do you often stretch or do you feel like you were tighter that day? Things like that. Um, do you think that you just exploded too fast and your body wasn't ready for it? Stuff like that. You'll just to see, cause like sometimes Surprisingly, people will get referred to physical therapy for the wrong diagnosis from the orthopedic doctor. So, oh God, that's not good. Yeah, well, it happens very often. So that's why we still have to do an exam, even if we have a diagnosis. So maybe the, the orthopedic doctor says that they tore their hamstring, but then we go through the exam with them and, oh, we realize, oh, it wasn't the hamstring. It's just a lower part of the glute muscle that looks like it's the insertion of the hamstring, but the orthopedic doctor didn't go into detail. Like they don't do detail examinations like us. They just go based off the patient's symptom and the mechanism of an injury and they diagnose them unless they do an MRI, et cetera. But mm. can't they get into legal trouble with that? <laughs> um, No, because they're just, they're coming up with a diagnosis based on their clinical experience, their clinical decisions, and they don't do a physical exam like physical therapists do. Like we'll do mu manual muscle testing. We'll have the patient get up and walk in front of us. I mean, maybe some orthopedic doctors do that, but I'm, I've, in the clinic, I've, had to re-diagnose like three patients for wrong diagnosis. That is, but it's like still in like the same like area of what they were injured, right? It's not like anything like crazy different. No, it's, there was one that was crazy different. Like, do you know what bursa are in your joints? Yeah, I know like sort of, I just know they're like sex, right? Bursa yeah, sex, yeah. yeah to prevent friction and stuff. So the orthopedic doctor diagnosed this patient with trochantic bursitis on both sides of her femur. So that's just like irritation right on where the femoral head is in your like lower um, thighs on the sides of your hip. And I did the whole exam on her and I was like, do you have any pain here? And I was like pushing on her bursa and she said, no. So I'm like, did this orthopedic doctor even push on her or her bursa? And then I did the whole exam and it wound up being a neuropathy from pressure on her spine. So she was just having like compression on her spine from sitting all day during the like, pandemic, working like sciatica, from home. Kind of? Yeah, like sciatica down her um, both butts, buttocks. She had sciatica, like nerve pain. Ooh. Yeah, I've never, I never thought that would happen. Well, just me thinking that they're professionals. I don't know, but I did. Fun fact, I don't, I forgot. I think it was like fifty or like sixty percent of people trying to become a doctorate in something, 
like end up cheating on a test or something, which kind of freaks me out. But uh, really, so, yeah, I don't know. Some some person told me that statistic. I think it was the one of my teachers. So like, I think it was just a warning to not let us cheat or something. But it, it was like sixty. I feel of, like I believe it. Yeah, are you admitting to cheating? No, but <laughs> people in the program have, and we had to. Um, we no longer got a review right away after our exams once because people were till they saw the person in front of them review of what the answers they got wrong so that way they could look at them it was so stupid I'm like we're in grad school really (laughs) yeah anyway uh so I think that's enough with the physical therapy part of uh, this segment so we're going into let's say you're fit you're a fitness coach or personal trainer is that yeah better better way better way to describe it so your personal trainer and I know you currently hold Zoom classes. Do you still hold Zoom classes? So yeah, I held them up till a week ago. Up until um, a I was ago. doing two a week. It was rough. It was like one or two girls on every single time. Oh really? Okay, I thought. <laughs> Would you usually be in like a gym setting? Yeah, I do fitness classes at Sacred Heart, and it's usually like ten uh, up to ten girls they allow, and it's usually full. Okay. Um, almost every class. So now that, you know, the whole, you know, COVID-19 pandemic, all people with social distancing and whatnot, what had to change in your style of training, you know, being on like teaching someone like how to squat through a screen? So it was kind of hard to, I would try to like point my camera down and then like move it. So that way they could see what I was doing. Okay. So I just like tried to show them first what to do and then had them do it and then use my words to fix anything. But it was mostly like based off of what I was doing first to see if they could like mimic it. Yeah, the whole pandemic strange to me because, they, you know, they, they have, you know, Zoom calls now and, you know, now kids are complaining, you know, they will never have a real snow day because, you know, they could just do this. Mm-hmm. But fitness is I feel like it has to fitness in my opinion I don't think I could ever coach someone through a screen it just I don't know I have to be able to like see them in person it's more like personal training is like somewhat intimate you have to you know get to know the person you have to like know know their injuries know you know their history and whatnot and being able to provide a individualized program not just some stupid cookie cutter program like get abs in one week type of program I agree yeah um, so and your, your type of training with the class, what, what type of, what type of training was it? So I did hit classes. So high intensity interval training was the class that I did at school. And I would just basically run like circuits. So maybe like a 20 minute circuit of 10 push ups, 20 dumbbell squats, and then, um, 20 overhead presses, like something like that. And you, they would do it for 20 minutes as many rounds as they can in the 20 minutes so it was more like a beginner class it was it wasn't like specific goals towards oh okay strength training it was just like a general like full body fitness class okay so just people just you know just want to get into it just trying to get in shape and you know new year's yeah. resolution type actually you held the class up until a week ago was it like uh was there people more a week ago? Cause you know, New Year's resolutions, something no, like it that. Ki- it kind of slowed down. So I like emailed the, my boss and was like, no one's really coming anymore. So she was like, it's fine. We'll just continue the classes in person in February when all the students come back. So. Okay. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know if you have an issue with this, but you know, me training for a while now, you get to see the trend in, the, the guests that come into the gym, you know, January, yep. everybody just fills in and you're like, oh my God. All right. Let's see how I many saw people. It yesterday. I was like, oh my God. I, I was like, I thought COVID was going to keep people back this year, but no. I don't think so. You know, fitness has always been a big thing in, in terms of, you know, the typical, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds. I want to, you know, get bigger arms. I want to do this, do that. And and then, you know, by, by March, they just, you know, you're back to the regular people that you work out with. And you're like, where'd everyone go? Like, I thought, <laughs> can't even stay consistent nowadays, all this social media stuff. 
so as a personal trainer, what do you like most about it? So I like the one-on-one so, so much better. I also like making a program based on per, people's goals. So one student that I worked with all semester, he wanted to become stronger and um, benefit him in hockey. So I introduced him to power lifting. So I was like, that's very important hockey, like the acceleration of skating and swing, uh, swinging, you need a lot of power. So I started him off learning that and then did strength training and bench press squat deadlifts. So um, they can, they benefit, you know, they learn new information every time they're with you, but do you take anything from it? Do you learn stuff from them as well? Of course. Like I, this was my first time doing something like this, this past semester. So I definitely learned better ways to go over an introduction like and safety, making sure that the, the client knew how to squat and use the, the safety rack, the safety bars to make sure that no one gets injured. So I just like from experience, you just learn how to better coach someone and what, what you could fit in that time period of the program. So like I only had an hour and 15 minutes because we had gym sessions because of COVID. So it was like, you had to register, you had to like register for a certain time that day. And the max is an hour and 15 minutes. Okay. Uh, Previously, you mentioned that uh, your classes were all girls. Is it catered towards uh, women or is it, you know, do, do guys join as well? I think just like at Sacred Heart, a lot of the fitness classes that we offer, just all females go to. Oh. Like the the spin, the my hit class, there's other full body classes. Okay, I was just wondering. The dancing one called Zumba. Yeah. Oh, Zumba. Oh, God, imagine seeing a guy at Zumba. That'd be hilarious. But anyway. there's, There's definitely some, but. I mean, I don't know. I've never seen that, but eh, kudos to them trying something yep. new for the new year. <laughs> anyway, so I know you wanted to talk about, actually, actually, I wanted to bring something up from your Instagram. Um, you talked about how females are more likely to tear their ACL. And I did yeah. not know that. Why, why don't you recap that? How, why, why is that, the, the, you know, why does that happen? So it's important for us as physical therapists to know that and also as a strength coach to know that because it's very important to strengthen a female athlete all around, but most importantly, make sure that they have strong hamstrings because if their quad is dominant over their hamstring, um, it could lead to a ACL tear because the hamstrings actually help keep the shin bone, the tibia back. So an ACL injury is caused when that shin bone comes too far forward, like in hyperextension or when you see people cut and their like leg winds up like this. Oh, okay. So just the hamstrings help keep the, the tibia back. And if it goes too far forward, the ACL is in the front. So it could, it could tear the ACL if it goes too far forward. So that's one important aspect, the hamstring strengthening for a strength coach to and emphasize. You, you, you mentioned that um, because of like uh, hormones that mm-hmm. you're more, uh, women are more likely to tear it because of, is it the, when the, during their uh, period or something? Yeah, ligaments actually become more lax and not as tight as they should be during the menstrual cycle, menstrual cycle because of the hormones that are released. Like estrogen or like which, which hormone? Yeah, estrogen. So like more estrogen in your, in your system, your, your joints get more, really more lax? Yeah, it's, it has actually studied that females are more likely to have ligament injuries on their period. 
So as a, as a strength athlete, as a female, what, what do you, do you adjust to that? Like during your menstrual cycle? I mean, it kind of like crosses my mind that like, oh, like I'm at more risk today, but like, I don't like over, overthink it, like anxiety about it. But, um, I would say you don't really have to change. Like, you're not going to take them out of a game earlier than normal you let them play their normal amount but just you know it's just a it's just a fun fact i guess we don't really prevent people from playing on their period or oh no that's not what i was asking i (laughs) I was just i was just wondering because you you mentioned that i had no idea that was the case but uh along with your content on instagram you also talk about uh well you wanted to talk about you told me that you wanted to talk about training with pain uh, you know, when pain arises during your, you know, strength training, your, you know, running program, your, you know, playing soccer, basketball. So training with pain, how does that work? So I would say the goal of training with pain is that you want to, if you're trying to get better, you want to push through it a little. So in the clinic, I usually told my athletes or any regular patient that was trying to rehab, I was saying to them, you should feel a little pain during this squat, but if it's more than a five out of 10, I don't want you to do it today. So I kind of base it off of that. Like I want you to feel the one to five pain, but I don't want you to be higher than five because I don't want to do damage. I want to do good, good pain, like strengthening pain. I don't want to do bad pain. So that's how I explained it to them in lay terms. Okay, so this is from like a rehab standpoint. I'm, what about like, you're like a perfectly healthy athlete, you just so happen to get pain. Would you would you advise to push? Um, I would probably ask them how bad it is. Maybe use the scale, but I would say it depends. Like say we're doing lower body that day and they can't barbell squat because their shoulder hurts them doing this. Okay. There's the other options we could do. We could use the, I don't know if you ever heard of the safety bar that you could squat mm. with that you hold yeah, it you over hold here. It like that. Yeah. yeah. So we could try that. Um, there, there's other ways around it. So maybe we were doing upper body that day. So, and it was in the beginning of the session where they started feeling pain. And I was like, okay, do you want to switch to lower body today? And then the next time I see you, we could address if we do upper, if you're ready to do upper body. Mm-hmm. I can definitely agree with that because a lot, well, in my opinion, a lot of athletes these days are very soft. They, um, they preach too much step uh, regression. They, they want to step back as soon as they feel anything. And it, it, it kind of plays out into the you know orthopedic world too. Cause I, the, when, when people get injured right away, they'll, they'll, what do they do? They immediately recommend surgery. Like what? Like they don't need surgery yet. That's like the la- last, last option. And I think mm-hmm. like, like you said before, when, you know, shoulder hurts, when you're loading on a straight bar, why don't you find us, find other options. If your gym has, you have access to a safety squat bar, you do that instead. Mm-hmm. If you, if your shoulder hurts with a straight military press, you go, you know, neutral grip, you know? And I think athletes don't look at that. They just like, it hurts. Just take the day off. And then you end up taking like multiple days off. And then you're like, why am I not making progress? Look at what you did over the past week. Just things like that. My pet peeve, you know? Or they do the opposite and ignore the pain and then wind up having overuse injuries. That too. Yeah. That that's a, the whole, the other extreme. Um, I mean, if you know, do you know what West side barbell is? West side barbell. Yeah. You ever heard of that place? No, no. Okay. So I'll give you a little, so there's this guy named Louis Simmons. He created West side barbell in Columbus, Ohio and his, his athletes, are the most hardcore powerlifters on the planet. They wow. they train through like okay. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Louis Simmons broke his back, right? He broke his back. He rehabbed it. He came back, recovered, squatted nine hundred twenty pounds. Broke his back again, recovered, did this, did it again. Not squatted nine hundred. And I was like, wow. And I was wow. like, that that's when I looked at myself with my injury, and I said, I can't really complain. Like that guy just snapped his back and came back to squat nine hundred. I can't like. I can still push through a little bit, but like you said, not too much and finding options. Yes, I agree. But I think it also, depend, also depends on your goals, right? Yeah, of yeah. course. Cause if you're, 
if you're trying to get stronger, you're obviously not going to be doing high reps. So you shouldn't have issues with overuse injuries unless you're doing that muscle group every day, like you're not supposed to be doing. But I would say um, you're doing low reps, high weight. So you should be careful, just be careful. You're, you're lifting very high weight, just don't squat heavy two days in a row. You're supposed to take two days off between muscle groups. So just being smart about it. And I guess if you wanna become stronger, you should educate yourself. You should get, you should either get help or you should research, take a few classes, learn about it. Yeah, everybody listen to, the, to, to this podcast episode right now. I recommend reading Mark Ripito's Starting Strength and his uh, book by, I think it's called Andy something. Practical programming. That's also a good book for anyone that's getting into powerlifting or anybody from Sacred Heart that's listening to this right now. I'm pretty sure um, I would imagine most most of the people that are listening like doing high intensity interval training. Yeah, I'll, like some of the girls follow me from the class, but I would okay. say the, the kids that I personal train follow me as well. So. Mm-hmm. So, you know, looking at so when you when you train athletes, looking at the different sports that they play, how do you, you know, regiment their training with you? Like, let's say like a hockey player, like what kind of kind of lifting do they do? So I like all around to determine if they're, if power would benefit them, like cleaning, cleaning and jerking. And so that's, I would say in both sports, I would say everyone would benefit from cleaning and jerking, but um, more specifically in, football you want your linemen to be powerful because they have to explode and start blocking right away and Mm -hmm. they need strength obviously too but i would say for strength i normally just do squat deadlift bench press maybe shoulder press but those are those are the big three that train strength the best and get the full body and i just build up my athletes to I test their one rep max and then I just train them every session as close as I can to their one rep max unless they have something coming up that they like a game I obviously wouldn't I would stop at maybe like 75 80 percent their one rep max but you train your athletes close to their one rep max that's interesting so you like higher percentages if their goal is to become stronger yes I do like Hmm. higher percentages Interesting. So how does, how does the, the rep ranges work? Do you, do you follow five by five? Do you follow sets of three? What is it? So yeah, the five by five is really good for strength. So I would do that at what their percentage that they can normally do a five reps, which is usually like 75% your one rep max, mm-hmm. maybe a little higher for some people. And then there are some sessions where I go until they only could do like two to three reps just just to train those high numbers again. Because if you don't do those high numbers for a while, how do you know that you're not going to lose it, you know? So do you train like basic linear progression, you just slowly just ramp up higher and higher and higher until they hit a max? Um, with each set, yes, I increase the weight unless I'm doing the five by five regimen. But I would say, yeah, each set I add weight onto the bar and I go up to about two to three reps, see where they can hit two reps and maybe do another set there. But I just think it's, it's, if they don't have anything going on, obviously, like if they're in season, I'm not doing that every time with them because you don't want them sore for a game. Okay. I asked Dr. John Petrizzo uh, back on the podcast, um, but I think I was, it's, it's good to get a student's view of what what I'm about to ask. Um, so I asked him, what do you think the benefits of you know strength training slash working out is? So what, in a world of you know our high percentages of obesity in, in America, uh, yep. I think it's one of the leading causes of death in terms of you know dis- other diseases and whatnot. So why is it a good idea to get into strength training or just general fitness? So not only does strength training or working out decrease your chances of d- 
developing any diseases or making you more healthier, but it's more of diet too. Like diet is a high percentage of that, but it also is known to increase sleep, increase mood, um, increase attitude, build confidence. So not only does it physically help you, but it, it mentally helps you as well. And I think it's very important, especially during the pandemic, you know, men- mental health is on an all time low. People are, you know, turning to alcohol, you know, they're very depressed, you know, they're losing their jobs, unemployed. And it's, you know, it's not a good time right now. And I think working out is a, is a good outlet. I think that's for me, at least I use that, you know, when I was, you know, maybe didn't do well on a test one day, like whatever, I'll just, I'll just do some squats today. Just let all the energy out. It helps. Mm-hmm. And I think one of our topics that you wanted to discuss, you know, the older population or any population, any, any demographic, really, we talk about back pain, right? So um, I don't know what you wanted to talk about with back pain, but I think it was try- oh, a relieving back pain. I think that was what you wanted to talk about. So how do you go about that? Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things I could say about this, but I feel like this is a primary complaint of like all ranges of ages even like young athletes to older adults but I just feel my advice to people watching is just assess your posture if you know you're not sitting right the whole day like you always cross one leg over the other like the same leg over the other you're obviously putting more weight on one side of your back when you do that or if you have your computer screen this way and you're always turned like this, that's not good if you're always turned the same way. So just assessing that at first and then trying to fix that and general exercise is a good Mm -hmm. way to help. So walking, even though you think that walking would make it worse, actually most of the time sitting is what's causing your back pain. So getting up every, they recommend like every, hour you should get up and either stand at your desk or walk for 20 minutes so like every hour to two hours you should stand or walk for 20 minutes during your shifts or class yeah and sitting isn't really really natural at all to be honest you know you when you're sitting you are already putting pressure on you like just me sitting here right now you're probably putting pressure on my disc but like it it, it gets weird because Fun fact, if you guys didn't know, the army or at least the military branches, they didn't used to crouch aiming a gun. They used to sit in a squat and and aim and aim and shoot. And obviously that doesn't happen anymore because most people don't know how to get into a deep squat without any sort of uncomfortable or discomfort and you know some sort of pain. So they, you know, they went with the crouch. And that just, you know, as as technology gets better and better, as people, you know, get into you know, we're not moving around like we used to. We're not cavemen. We're not going around hunting to get our food. So our physical activity is very limited. And I'll bring this up again. My friend, Jacob Hill, he has a back condition, uh, if you're familiar with it, spondy, spondylolisthesis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he has that. He had that since he was a kid. And he used powerlifting to rehab it. He basically has no pain anymore. He can deadlift, you know, upwards of 600 pounds. He just built the muscle around the spine. Yep. And Anybody that's listening and you have back pain, let me tell you something. Deadlifts are medicine. If you do it right, if you do it yes, right. Yes, do it right. Yeah. Uh, 100%. Do it right. Yeah. So that's basically what I have to say about that. But yeah. And like another rumor. So like your back muscles often get tight. Like you could probably feel it. Like the, the ones right next to your spine. A lot of times they're very hard. So people say oh that you're supposed to stretch that and um strengthen your core of like your abdominals which is true you're supposed to strengthen your abdominals if you have back pain and stretch stretch all around i wouldn't just say stretch your back but a lot of the times those muscles are really tight because they're weak and they're trying to protect your spine so they get tight to try to protect your spine because they're weak not because they're overused and tight so that's about your like, like lower back? Yeah. Okay. Your lower back. So like it's called your erector spinae mm-hmm. muscles. 
So what I recommend for that is the back extension machine where you lock your legs in. And like, if you hold a plate, you just go all the way down into flexion and then you come up and stop at neutral. Cause like, I see a lot of people do this funky thing where they like come up and they like hyper extend. Yeah, yeah. Just like come up to neutral and then that works those lower muscles really well. So they tighten in response for protection. Yes. Well, it's interesting how the body. A works. lot of the time. Because I, I thought, I thought that um, sometimes your back was tight because your hamstrings are tight. I like I was taught to when you look at an injury, don't look at the pain site. Look up and down. Like mm -hmm. maybe something like if you have quad pain, maybe it's something with your hamstring, something with your you know knee or something. Is that the yeah? Case? Every person's different, but like okay. you're right. Like all the joints and muscles connect. So. I don't know, you could have a bad ankle and you start walking funny and then all of a sudden now you have hip pain because you've been you change the way you walk. So like it works like one joint can affect a joint th like three above it. Mm -hmm. All right. So we'll go into the last segment of this podcast. Um, most of the female guests that I've had on the podcast, they've always talked about how they've always had some story of some like some dude just telling them like, you know, lifting's not for girls or, or their families, like advising them against it. Um, yes. Um, have My you whole had, family. You're, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so how have you, how have you dealt with that? Um, I just say I like it. Like I like looking muscular. Like, obviously I don't want to look huge. Like Ronnie Coleman. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but I tell them that there's more benefits than not if you live correctly and you know what you're doing, which they should, they should know that I know what I'm doing because I went to school for exercise science, but there's more benefits to weightlifting. And for me, it's more specific to me than if I was just to just do general cardio because of the sports I play, because of the physique I want strength training is better for me like weightlifting is better for me than cardio because i want to look muscular i don't want to look skinny so just yeah, depends because i don't know i don't know why i i honestly don't know why there's a stigma behind it i used to be that guy that <laughs> i'm ashamed to admit this but i used to be that guy that would look at girls that lift and i was like you know i would judge them I, obviously now i don't do that now that i'm in the sport but i remember there was this, like this one like person at the gym this lady was doing rack pulls. She's pretty damn strong. I don't even know how much she was pulling. I think maybe like two or three plates. And obviously when you do rack pulls, you're not putting it down lightly. You know, it's pretty loud. And, you know, I was standing right next to this old guy. I was like, you know, just minding my business. And he was like, dude, she's really loud. I was like, yeah, she's doing rack pulls. She's like, ah, you don't expect that from girls. I was like, you expect that from yeah. everyone doing rack pulls. I don't, I don't know what to say to that. Like what? Yeah, people are very judgy in the gym mm -hmm. i've yeah. had like an older guy tell me that i look great but to maintain my uh feminine feminine femininity yeah. I, yeah something like that he said and i was like um you can mind your own business i didn't say anything like that but that's what i was thinking you can, like that's you uh, can mind your own business yeah i don't know i, I mean now i was young then but like obviously now i'd be like i would defend myself but um or the people that I don't usually, you know, know that are into powerlifting, they maybe it's a guy thing, maybe it's an ego thing. You know, they get insecure if a girl is stronger. I don't know. Maybe that, like, because you'll see the count. I don't know if you've gotten these comments before. They'll just say you look too manly, or you, you know, you're you're so ugly. You you're like so muscular. It looks disgusting. Like just it's a weird comments like that. And I don't know. I feel like most people our age like it now, like on males and females, but yeah. oh, my dad always says it to me. He's like, your legs are too big. I'm like, no. <laughs> your legs I'm, like, too big. I'm like, it's the thing now to have big legs. <laughs> and he doesn't believe me, but. Is it the thing to have big legs now? I don't even know. I guess thick, if you do uh, squats, I don't know. The thick, the thick in season. Never heard that. That's, isn't that like bulking season? Like in the winter time? <laughs> i guess i don't know i it's in every it's in every season for me i guess being muscular yeah well looks 
So fa family support's not all there. This is what I'm hearing. <laughs> not with weightlifting, no. Okay, well, so we're basically at the end, but I usually do this thing. At the end of each podcast, we just started doing this. It's, uh, I think, our third time or fourth time doing this. I usually give the guest, it used to be one minute, but now it's two minutes. I'm going to give you two minutes of time to just rant. Two minutes of time to rant, talk about whatever you want, Okay. and we'll end it off there. So... Your Will you minutes. interrupt me when my two minutes are up? Uh, no. So I know. No, I won't interrupt you. If you if you go past two, that's fine. I don't really. Most like. No, I'll just look at the clock. Okay. Right. Well, I have a timer. Yeah. Well, three, two, one. All right, you're on. So my advice to anybody listening is to just if you haven't tried working out, just try anything. It no matter how old you are, if you're older, just walk for 30 minutes a day it could really make a difference in your prevention of heart disease uh, diabetes and if you're younger and you want to try strength training just don't be shy be confident and make sure you research or have someone help you in the beginning so you know how to lift correctly to prevent any injuries and um, if you have any questions you can reach out to my, uh, my instagram which will be below this or Alan's because we're both we're both power lifters. So thank you guys for watching. And if you have any questions about physical therapy as well, I can help out with that. There's many fields of physical therapy from orthopedic to hospital care. And I went through all my semesters of school on all three of those. So I could help as well with that. All right, that was one minute and five seconds with Erica Marigliano. Uh, so if you guys didn't uh, remember, she is CSCS certified, uh, I forgot the name, certified strength and conditioning <laughs> specialist. Yeah. And she has her bachelor's of exercise science and she's trying to be a doctor of physical therapy. So reach out to her at Eric, I don't even, what is your Instagram? Erica Marig underscore strength. Yep, DM her if you have any questions. Uh, if you don't know how to, if you, you know, just zoned out right now, you can just DM me and I'll, you know, let you, let you reach out to her. But uh, that was basically episode 64 of the World of Lifting podcast. Thank you for being on the podcast. Once again, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yep. It was All a right, good guys. Experience. I will be signing out from the podcast. See you guys later.